everyone, and welcome back to another episode of N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. Joining us is games editor, Mark Kalaroff. So close to predicting that Kirby date. So, so close. close. So close and yet so off. far. Yeah. Oh, man. It's okay. We'll 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 get into it. Uh, we won't we won't punish you or roast you too hard for for getting the date wrong. Uh, also with us is indie games editor Campbell Gill. I'm just saying, if I could pre- correctly predict the name of Metroid Dread, like a few weeks before that game was announced, Mark, you have no excuse for being a few days off on it's the release date for Dream Cafe. So <laughs> that's yeah, true. That's that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank did you, you yeah, say yeah, Dream Cafe? I did. I meant buffet. Buffet. Wow. Okay. Well, there goes all of your credibility, Campbell. This is right out the window. Jettisoned, jettisoned Oops. out the window. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, so, Mark, you said you had some, uh, some little, some, a little, a, a mini Kirby update for us. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you take that away? Uh, Dream Buffet looks very good. Concert was very good. Oh. Uh, anime is coming to Blu-ray. Very good. Uh, Kirby is very good. That's all. Personally, Kirby I'm good. just waiting for Dream Cafe now. Like I think that'd be a pretty fun <laughs> spin-off. Yeah, it'd be like when po- they turn like... the the cafe eventually into a mobile game or something. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say it'd be like Pokemon Cafe Remix, but like Kirby Cafe. Oh my gosh, this well, was a great idea. That's actually a really good idea. Wait, hold on, wait a second, because Kirby already like eats food. Oh my has god, a cafe. wait a second. No, Guys. he already has a cafe. Oh boy. <sighs> yeah. Perfect. Well, there you go. Oh, the Kirby. Oh man, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, So (laughs) um, we're going to have Eliza on uh, in a future episode to talk more things Kirby. But we wanted to start the show off uh, with the big news of the week. There was a Splatoon 3 Direct that happened uh, yesterday, Wednesday the 10th of August at the time of this recording. Uh, Lots of interesting news, lots to talk about. Uh, I think we should just dive right in. Uh, the first of all, Splatsville looking better than ever. I uh, gotta say, mm-hmm. if you watch this, this it is a, a nice, lengthy direct half an hour of uh, almost nonstop news. They had a couple breaks here and there, but it was like a pretty packed half hour direct. Uh, I don't know. How are you guys feeling about the this upcoming game? It, it seems very much like, like I don't know if if uh, if I was expecting more of a greater leap from two to three, but it really does look like. It's the same stuff as two, with a little bit more. Which I guess it is. Still, yeah. I guess is all you really want from a sequel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was expecting there to be some, uh, pun intended, but some hook. Because they're fish. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. I, 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 I ink. I get it, Mark. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thank you, thank you, Campbell. But I was expecting <laughs> like something to be there that would hook me in. But it's just uh, it's more Splatoon, which at the same time is fine because the campaign looks awesome. The gameplay looks like a lot of fun. I love the new stuff that they're adding to it. But uh, yeah, really nothing else to say about it. Well, I mean, Mark, if I can have a bit of a contrary response to that. Um, I think this may have just sold me on the game, personally, oh. <laughs> because I've never really been that much of a Splatoon fan. I never picked up two, so the fact that it's only an incremental improvement from the previous game means absolutely nothing to me. Ah, <laughs> so what sure. I saw here was just a whole bunch of crazy features, whole bunch of just tons and tons of different mini games and side objectives, things to collect, things to improve on. There's a whole uh, game within a game that's focused on like strategic battles and all that kind of stuff like that was interesting there's so much going on in this game 
it looks crazy and personally like there was enough going on in there plus i could see there being some improvements from splatoon 2 things like um making the salmon run not limited to a certain time frame and available to play Which at any time good. exactly mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. expanded lobby these sorts of features going in there that look like they're making a more refined experience from the previous games so to me it seems like a great time for a, a newbie like myself to splat on in so i'm excited <laughs> it's true no i think it, it it does look great um i i think it like the look of the game like oh, it looks, looks phenomenal oh my gosh like the like water the effects oh my gosh yeah. just the water <laughs> uh the fashion looks incredible as ever we're, we're gonna get to that i, I kind of want to go I'm going to try to go in order here. I know there's like a lot to, they covered a lot of ground in this direct and obviously we're going to kind of ping pong back and forth. Um, I do want to start with, obviously they, 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 the main draw of Splatoon, Turf War returning, of course, 4v4, same, same, same as it ever was. Uh, they talked about returning stages, which Campbell, obviously I know you don't care about. Um, I do not, no. The uh, stage selection's I, good. I'll say that. It seems like it. So I, Campbell, or Mark, I should say a question for you. <laughs> and I don't know if you're going to understand this reference. Uh, what would you say is Splatoon, the Splatoon universe's blood gulch? Like, what's, like, the iconic Splatoon level? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know you're talking about Halo. I have okay, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it was Halo 3, right? Or Halo mm. Reach. I think it might be from original Halo. Uh, it? it's, a, it's, a, it's just a very iconic level in the Halo mm -hmm. uh, multiplayer universe. Yeah, it's the one with the two, um, not towers, but the bases on each side. Um, I don't know if Splatoon would really have one. I'm going blank on the name, but the factory level has always been a fan favorite, and so is Mario sure. Towers, which is also right. in uh, Super Smash Brothers. As I was that. going to ask which one was in Smash. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's Mario Towers. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so there's, there's a few, like, again, I don't have very much nostalgia for Splatoon. I, I played a good amount of Splatoon 2, um, not right when it came out, but maybe like... I, like, I came in late to Splatoon 2, so I was already, like, way behind the curve. But it, I did have a, a fun time with it. But I didn't get, like, oh, my gosh, this is my favorite level. This is my favorite. Da -da -da. Like, I didn't quite get that far. But um, I thought it was I thought it was a, a cool thing that this game, the Splatoon 3 in this Direct, they talked about how there are going to be 12 levels to start, and there's going to be a ton of free updates to add more. Um, and again, I do want to get to this because I think the, the way they are the way they are claiming they are going to support this game is fascinating to me, uh, and it seems an, uh, unprecedented for a first party Nintendo game to be honest. Um, I enjoyed the, the kind of the weapons segment. Uh, do, you, do you have a, sp a favorite weapon uh, mark that you enjoy playing with? I love the splat roller, which is the giant paint roller. That you oh, the best! Mash enemies with that one's always been my favorite. I'm not a fan of the uh, the more sniper rifle weapons in the game. I feel like they're a bit um, they're just like not my play style. I usually go sure. in like guns blazing. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of more fun for me. I, I enjoy the splat roller. I even like this like the basic like machine gun or whatever they call it. The, yeah. the whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, oh my god, which one is it? Oh, Splat, it's been so Splat long. Splat, Splatomatic, I think so, it's so, yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's fun. There's some fun new weapons. Uh, the Splatana stuck out to me. just going to yes. say, that looked amazing. <laughs> just the idea of being a little squid kid and stabbing each other with a katana. That's just yeah, wonderful. It, it made me think of the, uh, forgive me, Master, but I must go all out this one time. <laughs> like, it made me think of that meme. Um Something called stringer, uh, basically a bow and arrow. They have stringers, which is like a big. It's like a tri, yeah, tri that's arrow weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that looks kind of cool. Um, so some fun new weapons. Um, the specials are great. Like 
I like that they are bringing back the old specials as long as with some new ones. Um, so how do we feel about the fact that the specials are, are paired with your main weapons? You have to kind of like, you have to kind of get lucky with rolls, right? Like, are, is it like, is this kind of like a, it's not quite destiny. It's not quite on that level, but, uh, it seems like the specials are tied to certain weapons and it's, and, uh, I don't know. How, how do we, how do we feel about that? I know. I think that's, that, that's how it's always been, right? Yeah, that's how it's always been. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting that they're kind of continuing that forward, um, which I guess I guess adds that that adds to the replayability of the game because you're going to want to keep you know purchasing new weapons and stuff to get to get the one with the combo mm-hmm. that you want. Um, so yeah, I guess there's a little bit of that uh, that like oh I got well get my, I think you know yeah wait you're right you're right I was about to mm-hmm. say depending on how Sheldon's story is going to work in the new one but I think they should honestly my big problem with this direct is that it was too long. Like, I felt like a lot too of this could have been... I felt like it was way too long, because I felt like a lot of information kind of, like, flew over my head. Sure, yeah, sure, sure, I'll sure, agree sure. with that. Especially as, once again, somebody who's not super familiar with the, the base Splatoon game, a lot of this stuff was about, like, incremental improvements to existing mechanics, and that just doesn't really mean a lot to those who weren't already aware of that. So, yeah, there was some really exciting stuff in there, but there was filled in like padded out with a whole bunch of stuff that just didn't really mean a lot like oh you can jump out of ink and then jump backwards at the same time that's cool i guess yeah (laughs) you're like you're like i don't understand what that means yeah Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of just like you could do this you can shoot and go in your paint and it's like yeah we we know this we we know (laughs) we know yeah uh so yeah i yeah maybe a little more new stuff would have been nice uh but again we're gonna get to that um i loved the characters, uh, Gnarly Eddie and Nails the Snail, like, incredible. Mm-hmm. Always um, incredible. I especially it's... loved how they just introduced Nails as that snail that lives in the store. I'm like, incredible. yeah, <laughs> it's that thing. Love it. Yeah, I think that was just, just the right thing. Um, I like the idea of, like, you have your loadout, like, you have your, your fit. I feel like I'm too old to play this game. I feel like I, I will always come across as a poser uh, <laughs> because, because of oh phrases God. like... <laughs> Phrases like register your fit and like, I don't know, like your clothes that you wear. Like, I don't know. I always feel. <laughs> you're telling us you're too old to look fresh, Cameron. I, I, I can't, boy. I just can't use the, the word fit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't do it. Um, I like that they added things to do in the lobby while you're waiting for online games. I think that's awesome. Um, a great a great concept. I, I feel like, like video games, obviously loading screens are ubiquitous. Like, you're, it's... Uh, Maybe not so with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, but like most games have loading screens, and I like mm-hmm. that a, a, an online game like this, where you're constantly like waiting for people to queue up and, and all that stuff, has gives you something to do. I in the lobby, I think that's believe a smart idea. the first one also had this, but it oh, was nice. um, it was like a uh, what do I even compare it with? It's like a not really like a yeah, it was like a platformer. It was like a platformer with the squid, and you just that's like fun. jump from platform to platform. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not bad. Um, so this one kind of it kind of lets you in Splatoon three. They're saying you can like practice with your weapons. You can kind of uh, see what your teammates are up to. Like this, I don't know. There's some some fun ideas. Um, I'm curious to see how, how that looks. You know, when the actual game uh, launches, of course. Uh, how do we feel about this? I think this is a really smart, a really smart feature that I will never ever use. Uh, battle replays. Uh, like I know that. Splatoon 3 is never going to be on the level of, like, Overwatch or something like that. Um, so 
maybe this feature will go underutilized, but the fact that they're letting players rewatch battles from... I don't know, I don't know about that, Cameron. Maybe mm-hmm. in, like, America, it might not be on that scale. Sure. But outside of America, it definitely is. <laughs> I mean, no, they're already... People... Like, they already announced a tournament for this game, and the game's not even out, you this know? This is true. Hold the tournament. Some Japanese yep, that's kid true. is just gonna rewatch all of his battles and then eventually become the world's greatest Splatoon player, essentially. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I... I'm really curious to see, like... Like, like to me, to me, the thing that stuck out to me would be would be people people wanting to make uh, you know video content videos about Splatoon three. I feel like we'll get a lot of use out of the battle replays feature. Oh, like, definitely. I, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, imagine how easy it would be to cut together a video when you could just be like, okay, I'm gonna go back and, and rewatch my my match. Like, I I, I hope that I hope that Nintendo doesn't do the Nintendo thing and like make it easy for people to record and 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 edit and, and share this stuff. Like, that would be awesome. Um, if if uh, you know, people are able to do that. Um, the lockers are fun. Like, I, I like that there's a little bit of customization there. Like, the, the cool thing about Splatoon, and again, I didn't get super deep into Splatoon 2, but even even in the limited time I spent with it, I something that really stuck out to me was the like the 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 customization aspect. Like, I like that you can dress up your little squid guy and like have emotes and and stickers and and stuff like that. Like, I, I think all that stuff is awesome. Um, how do we feel about the dab? Like, are we are we cool with this? <laughs> Why like, did they know. show us the dab like five times throughout the direct? Like, I saw it once. I, I was like, oh, that's funny. Then they were posing again. Oh, hey, they're dabbing again. Then you saw them like a monitor in the distance, and like <laughs> we're just perpetually plagued by the dab. Um, aside from that, yes, the emotes looked lovely, but just so much dabbing. And I'm surprised direct. those aren't in uh, the other games. I feel like that would be something Wait, that should be there. They weren't. Emotes? It was. I don't. Um, I don't think it wasn't. So. It wasn't like emotes. It was more like a phrase that you would say, like "booyah" or like something Ooh, like that. Right. Oh yeah, booyah. exactly. Okay. There so these are like, though, like yeah, yeah. These are new. The these are like full okay. on, full on emotes, and like presumably they will just make more and more and more as as time goes on. Probably. Um, I. Oh man, wouldn't it be amazing if one of the taunts for the Squid Kid in Smash Ultimate was the dab? Oh. I hope that only... they patch Smash Ultimate. I hope that they patch that it game. in. Patch it in. Give me the dab. I want a dab on the haters. Um, so, but this gets to the kind of the main the main thing that I think is interesting about this direct updates every three months for two years is what they promised in this direct. Uh, that rules. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Smash Ultimate. Not not quite the same. It's not quite the same as a Fighter's Pass. Like obviously, it's a little bit different than that. Uh, it seems like Nintendo is really committing to, all right, we're going to make Splatoon 3. Like we want a community, we want a huge community to, to feel satisfied and, and, you know, continue to stick with this game. Like, I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. They haven't really done that. I mean, you know, look at like arms, look at, look at other, (laughs) do you know what I mean? They just kind of like, uh, forget it. Nobody cares about this. Well, what's interesting is the other two Splatoon games, they were kind of like all over the place with their DLC because it was like some months we'd get tons of stuff. And then other months it was like completely empty for two months. And then it's like, here's a massive drop. And then here's a small drop. And then it was kind of like disorganized. And now it's like, it's good to know that every three months you'll see those community spikes from people wanting to play again for the new content. Which is nice. Yes, I I think it's uh, I don't know. I just think it's such a like, it's what you just said, uh, 
Mark, in, in, the organization, it seems like they're going into this, um, this threequel, this, this next game with a really clear roadmap. And I think that's, oh, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> sorry, I just had a little, little cough there. Um, I think they had, they, they clearly have like a strong roadmap and I think that that will pay know, is, off. Yeah. Will pay off. Exactly. A hundred percent. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's good. I'm looking looking forward to that. Uh, mainly though, this there's a deck building mini game, table turf battle. I want to play it. I I love. It does look good. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> We're, we'll we'll talk about this when we get to our indie spotlight at the end of the show. But I love when a game has a really awesome mini game just like in, buried within it. It's like, oh yeah, the main game. It's great. It's full featured. We're gonna support it for two years. Also, do you want to play this crazy mini game? Like, and then oftentimes the mini game becomes like the thing. Like, like I think about Gwent and Witcher Three, or like, I don't know, like uh, what's that one of Final Fantasy Eight? Um, oh yeah, like the, uh, uh, that, oh that. triple triad, oh, triple triad. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I love when a game just has like, eh, we're just gonna put this really crazy mini game in here and then see if people like it. Like, I, I hope it's as good as it looks. It looks fun and like kind of a a mini version of like a full on turf war match. So I, I don't know. I think it's a I think it's a really fun idea. Um, and as we all know, I do love a, a deck building game. game. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things. Um, Salmon Run looks great. Yes, it looks uh, so much better. It looks really games. fleshed out. Um, yeah, Mark, what, what stuck out to you about the, the newly improved Salmon Run? Godzilla. Like mm-hmm. this boss battle. Obviously, <laughs> Campbell said it before, but the time limit being gone, uh, being able to just play it whenever you want is great because before it was literally on like these weird time slots. So every time I went into the game, I wanted to play Salmon Run, and it wasn't available, and I was like, what the heck is going on? So... It's finally nice that I can actually play Salmon Run. <laughs> so what, what a concept! Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Make your games um, easy to play. Um, but yeah, no, Salmon Godzilla just looked incredible. Like, it looked a lot like Giga Bowser to me. It yes. really did. I got that that general vibe, like Bowser's Fury vibe from it, maybe. A hundred percent. Yeah, um, I was very much, very much uh, afraid of uh, the King Salmonid. I <laughs> do not want to get stepped on by them. Um, so yeah, it looks great. Um, and again, more more option. I don't know. I think that's the thing that stuck out to me is like Splatoon Two. I had a blast with it, but at the end of the day, I was like, man, I wish I had like a little bit more to do in this. And it seems like Splatoon Three is really aiming. To do that, we have the, we have the introduction of the sto- like the not the introduction of but like it seems like a pretty fleshed out story mode. Um, it's I don't know I get excited when it's a Nintendo first party game that is like you know what we're gonna we're gonna double down on a single player mode because like you know it's gonna rule. Um, oh yeah, the other ones are great, and especially yeah. the DLC to the second game, the Octo expansion, was even better than like the base game it's probably the best platoon campaign and meanwhile it's just like well now it's a free dlc if you, if you have a nintendo switch online you get it for free but it was like 20 bucks or something when it came out and it was literally longer than the base game yeah so so hopefully i mean that, that's that, i guess that's the thing that gets me like most hype about this game is that like the fact that they're really committing to this this fleshed out roadmap it makes me think like wow there's there's probably going to be if they if they, if they did that with splatoon 2 imagine the DLC for like for this game, mm-hmm. um, they did announce that there would also be uh, 
paid large scale paid they use the phrase large scale paid dlc so i'm like very intrigued to see what that probably looks like probably cuz the octo expansion was bigger than the, the last two exactly, base yeah. games so yeah, yeah so so i wonder if i wonder if they're going to go down that route and have it be like you thought octo expansion was big like get ready for this like I, you can only imagine it's going to going to get bigger and better you know like what an open world splatoon game <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. Breath that of the would, Splat. Yeah. Breath of the Splat awesome. of the Wild. Yeah. The Splat of the Wild. That's better. That's I will better. say it, yeah. it was a little interesting. They they confirmed in the presentation that the story mode would be the conclusion of the Splatoon trilogy, basically. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, uh, what? I'm, like, I'm I'm glad that there's a Splatoon cinematic universe going on. Oh, in this. yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. no, Mark. Literally, you're. We were talking before uh, recording the show, and you're like, "Is this really Agent Three in the game?" And I'm like, "I don't got a clue. I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean by this Agent Three person?" But yeah, uh, it's it's really it's actually really interesting. The whole lore of Splatoon isn't it like so. weirdly dark for oh, it's it's of- all about how a nuclear explosion caused the meltdown of the Antarctic, and it overflowed the Earth, and the scientists decided that his cat was worth more than humanity. So Judd became immortal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is <What>? incredible. <laughs> so that's yeah, why... That's just yeah. science, yeah. I, I, that's I was why gonna say, I the cat's s- the only mammal. And little Judd is actually a clone of Judd, but that's only confirmed in like the Splatoon art book. So, but that's supposedly <laughs> going to come into play in the new one. Oh my so, God. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. And I refuse to believe that this story is real, but um, <laughs> that's... That's great. I could also totally see all of those events happening, knowing the trajectory of world history right now. Yeah. Um, and then the whole campaign for the last two games have been about the Squid Beak uh, Splatoon, which is like this group of uh, heroes that are trying to take down uh, DJ Octavio, who's the main villain. <laughs> This okay. is all like, I'm this, not even kidding. This, this is all like, makes so much this sense. This is all to me. what it is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Campbell's just nodding, like, yes, yes. Yeah, I, no, I'm I happily nodding over here. Johnny mm-hmm. down a few notes, being like, mm, yes, yeah. I, I The Octarians <laughs> live underground in like a. Uh, an LCD dome screen, and they need the power sources from above ground to supply their so, you know, this fake is underground. The, Mark, what you're yeah. describing the Matrix is what you're describing. <laughs> basically, yeah, uh, basically the Matrix, the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Okay. just with some ink or something. Yeah. Is this yeah. enough to More understand tentacles. the story of Splatoon Three? Then. <laughs> no, but you yeah. can read my article, which will hopefully there we go. be out soon. Mm-hmm. Very smooth. The whole lore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, I, I, I guess the, the two more things I want to cover. Um, for uh, from this direct, and obviously, if you guys want to chime in with anything else, feel free. But two more things that stuck out to me. So, we are replacing. It seems to me we are replacing the idols from Splatoon Two mm-hmm. with this. Happens each time. Happens each time. But also, did it have to happen? I love yes. the Splatoon idols. They were so amazing. Yes. They'll be in the campaign. Uh, I'm already guaranteeing okay. it. Yeah. I I w- I don't know what I would do without them. These three. These new three. Uh, three new ones. They're fine. Uh, we got man. Shiver. We got Fry. We got. I did big like Big Man. man. Big yeah, Man, big a man. giant manta ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very exciting. Okay. Big Man. That yeah. was the uh, the highlight. The M- the MVP for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, character design like phenomenal. Uh, and and watching their animations, like watching them go down that parade. That was like a three minute <laughs> segment of the video that of was this amazing. like. Of this 30-minute direct, they just had, like, and now we're going to have a little dance break of just these three characters just, just jamming dancing. out. I was mm-hmm. like, what is happening? Like, Yeah, I didn't know what was happening, but I did not mind it one bit. 
it was, was a delight. Great. And I also just love seeing on Twitter all the memes of people doing like tic tac toe on Fry's head just because of how huge her forehead yes. is. <laughs> yes. I oh, did man. not Camp- see that. But yes. Campbell her forehead is enormous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, extremely good. I had the same thought. I was like, what is going on with that one? Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, okay, the last thing I want to mention uh, okay, are we team, which are we? Are we team rock, paper, or scissors? I'm rocking out. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, I was gonna say rock too. Okay, wow, let's just I was, be the rock cast. I listen. No, I was. I listen. I hate to say it. I was gonna go with paper. Um, obviously, you, oh, I'm just saying. How can you turn on us like this? <laughs> 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 uh, pa- of course, why paper? Give me a good reason. Because <laughs> um, I'm sitting at my desk right now, and it is just covered in, in paper and papers and stuff. So you don't uh, want to get away with that stuff. You you want to get true. away from it. You want the rock. You or the you, scissors to cut. Or, it I should get the scissors. Actually, that's what I yeah. should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We are of course referring to the 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 splat the splat fest that kicked this whole thing off. The tricolor turf war, uh, rock versus paper versus scissors. A very fun idea. Uh, I wonder who's gonna win. I, I I think all three of the of the hosts Splatoon three did a great job of uh, defending their corner. That was a very fun bit of the video. Mm-hmm. I thought. Um, what do we think about the idea of the the tricolor turf war? I think it's, I think it's a really fun way to mix up the gameplay. Yeah, it looks yeah, it's me. it's weird because it's always been uh, you know two factions, but now yeah. that we have a third one, I wonder how they're gonna divide the scores. Because the scores of Splatfest have always been kind of broken, where it's basically like a popularity contest over skill. Right, exactly. So I, I just hope they fix it. Because that was what kind of drove me away from this. Like, Splatfest is awesome. Like, it's a huge, like, in-game celebration. But Right, exactly. Th- the calculations were just BS. Like, <laughs> they were always, they were always Mark, off. Mark wants to see the receipts. Yeah, exactly. How many, how many matches did people actually win? That should matter. Instead, it's like popularity, which kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what what shakes out, or or if it ends up being more of a broken system. I guess we can only. I guess it all remains to be seen. Uh, Campbell, obviously, you've you've never participated in a Splatfest, but they are very very fun. It's always fun to kind of see the internet go crazy, uh, the Splatoon community to really like get hardcore into stuff. Like, I think that's that's going to be a fun time. Um, do I don't know? What, I, I guess the the final thing to ask is, um, Mark. Obviously, I know you're you're like a Splatoon guy, so you, you'll probably pick this up when it comes out. Oh, of uh, course, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, Campbell, what do you what do you think? Are you are you going to be dipping your toe in? I think I'm gonna to repeat what I said earlier. I think I'm gonna splat on in this time around. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll definitely play the the new demo that will be coming out at the end of the month. I definitely want to give that a try. Yes, but... I think that's a great. I love that they're doing these big scale demos. I know that's Props very exciting. Nintendo. I'm glad Incredible. that it's something that they keep on doing these days. It's yes. wonderful. Yes, Hopefully, yes, they yes. actually allow us to talk about it this time. Unlike that that network test they did for Switch <laughs> earlier in the year. <laughs> this is the strangest thing ever. It was the oddest thing. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. odd. We're demoing our game. Please don't talk about it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay. Which, knowing how Switch you Sports... sign an in-game thing mm-hmm. before and you start. Knowing so how weird. Switch Sports turned out, maybe there was a reason behind it, behind that. But um, at the same time, though, on the topic of how Splatoon 3 is just being so clear about its roadmap, we still haven't gotten golf in Switch Sports we were supposed to have gotten that i forgot about that i know i was just thinking about that because that's an instance of nintendo doing a terrible job Um, and that game sold over five million copies Mm -hmm. so just imagine what splatoon 3 is gonna do so i'm more than kirby 
Uh oh. Yeah. I played a little. I played a little Wii Sports um, on my vacation a couple weeks ago, and I, I did enjoy Wii Golf. It was fun. Uh, again, it's got nothing on Wii Bowling, but the golf was very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts about the Splatoon Three Directs before we jump over into the real meat of the episode after a break? Either way, we're buying it. <laughs> Either way, we're buying it. Love it. Doesn't it. matter. Um, it's, hey, it's listen, it's Splatoon, gonna be good. You know? Like Splatoon, yeah. uh, Campbell. Obviously, like there's no reason to pick up Splatoon two at this point. But right. like, if 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 this even this game is even like, even if it's like as good as Splatoon two, like great, incredible, no notes. But the fact that they they seem like they're really doubling down on the support and like I, I think it's gonna be like even better than Splatoon two. So I'm I'm really excited to see how how far they go with this franchise. Um. So yeah, we're gonna take one one more one more. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna take our first break, in fact. Uh, we're gonna take a little break. Come right back. Talk about Xenoblade Chronicles Three, which you know Mark has been bursting to talk about for weeks yes, now. Absolutely. Uh, so so uh, hang tight, and we will be back in a gym. Yeah, I, I, uh, and we're back. Uh, Campbell's making references that even even I, a person who does not care about Xenoblade, even I will understand, which I appreciate, Campbell. You're a um, lifesaver. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's beyond me. Um, that's Mark over there. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, all right, Mark. Xenoblade Chronicles Three. We every every episode for the last month. I've we've been, been like, very concerned. We've like we've got to talk about Xenoblade. We've got to talk about Xenoblade, but it's like. Like, wait, 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 let's finish the game, finish the game. And now you finally beaten the game. Or I mean, we'll say this, you beat the last boss. Yes. Uh, I did a lot of the side content. And, and, and a lot of the side content, too. Nice. Um, so I guess I guess take it away, man. Whatever you want to talk about. Like, again, I have no stake in this franchise. Like, I, I personally mm-hmm. don't care about spoilers, but I know Campbell is interested in playing this game, so maybe try to be light on plot stuff if you can. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, I'm not going to but, but still, but, but I think, I think yeah. listen, I think... I think, you know, sell me on this game. Like, I want to hear... Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Like, your thoughts and feelings, yeah. Uh, so let me so say this away. first. Um, Nintendo Switch Essential. I'll put it out there. It's wow. it's a must-have game. Um, before, when we talked about this every single month, I was worried about it. Because the second game is not good. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is just not a good game, in my opinion. I think it's very poorly constructed, and I thought the combat was way too overcomplicated. First one's a masterpiece. I love Shulk's adventure. I think it's perfect. The pacing, just the story, everything about it. This one, the opening 10 minutes is so engaging and incredible 
that it's just like it immediately hooks you in. There's a little bit of slowdown at the beginning of the narrative where you're slowly getting into all the mechanics and everything. But once you start to get to know the characters and the mechanics and you have all these options in front of you and all these stories going on, it's just all it's just all executed perfectly. And it just wow. all works in the end. So and I loved what... every single moment of it all the way up until the finale. And when it was over, I couldn't believe it was over. Because I was just like, the ending is just also incredible. Especially, I started immediately replaying it after I finished it. Because oh, I wanted wow. to further understand the plot. And just re-watching the opening cutscene, after watching the final cutscene, I feel like I was having like that 8D chess moment. I was like, oh my gosh, this connects to this and this and this and this and this and this. And I was like, this is incredible, the way this is written. And that's basically the whole game. It's this odyssey of an adventure where you're going from place to place all around the world of Ionios, and it's just like this gorgeous adventure to go on. Just everywhere is just visually captivating, and all the characters, once you start to get to know them, they're all so interesting in their own right, and they all have their own problems and perspectives of the universe, and their world, just the whole world they lived in, or live in, not lived in. I don't know why I said mm-hmm. that. They're all but the dead. whole world that they They're live all in. Dead, yeah. <laughs> the whole world they live in is so screwed up. So not gonna say any spoilers, because I don't want to spoil anything for Campbell, even the opening few minutes. But in Ionia's... Well, here's what, here's, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you for one second, Mark. Here's what I'll say. I think feel free to talk about anything in any of the directs. How about that? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, I'm just gonna regular... talk about like the opening chapter. Like the first few minutes. So in the world of Ionios, uh, the two factions, Kevis and Agnes, work under two queens and they're locked in like this eternal battle where every 10 years, uh, that's the soldier's lifespan. They have 10 years. So they're essentially born as like a teenager in a sense and they grow to be an adult, but they never get past a certain age. So they basically stick to their 20s and they're at their peak and all these soldiers are fighting. So you have Kevis and Agnes, and there's three soldiers from each, and they're assisted by Anopon, and which are the cute little uh, creatures that always follow them. Sometimes they're annoying. In this game, none of them are annoying. Thankfully, they all have like perfectly fine voices. Okay, that's <laughs> actually the, the most impressive yeah. thing you've told us about the Riku game. Riku and Minana are uh, both good characters too, in their own right. They both nice. have their own stories, which is also nice because at first they're kind of like they're kind of just like following you. I actually thought it was a little awkward because. You actually don't get to learn about the Nopon that's with you in your party until like 30 minutes into the game where they finally are like, hey, Riku, what's going on? And he finally starts to talk. And I was like, this guy's been following us for 30 minutes. Like, how do we not even talk about him at this point? But then once you start to learn more about his character and considering the drop off point they put you into the story, it all feels so natural in a sense which is nice because it feels like you almost already knew these characters, like our favorite hmm. game, uh, Ayudin Chronicle. Oh, but, God, um, yes. Yeah, the whole class. Such, <laughs> a, yes. such iconic characters in Ayudin Chronicles Rising, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. But uh, the Kevis and Agnes factions, um, eventually they have these, um, they're, what they're called is offseers, which what they do is essentially Noah and Mio from their two factions, they go around with a flute and they send the bodies of the dead back to, I don't want to spoil it, but in a sense, 
their circle of the afterlife. So I'll keep it at that to a minimum. But mm. these offseers, their duty is to just go to the battlefields after all the catastrophe happens and send these bodies to the afterlife, which is they basically turn into like dust and they're supposed to go back to the queen's embrace. That's the whole concept they have going on. But eventually the two teams that are very similar to one another come into contact. And as they're fighting, uh, a guy named Vandom uh, shows up and stops them and drops like this bombshell on them, which eventually starts their whole journey. So the idea of the game is that you're a group of three Kevis, three Agnes, two Nopon, which is one from each, and you have to go around the world of Ionios and solve the mystery of what is really going on in the screwed up world where literally it's a live-die-repeat situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, Campbell. What do you think? I mean, that sounds pretty impressive, but uh, <laughs> the thing that... I is most interesting to me is coming from the original Xenoblade, which is, I'll echo everything you said about Mark, one of the greatest RPGs ever made, one of the best games I've ever played, and one of the things that made the story in that game so compelling, well, I, could, I should say two of the things that made it so compelling were, firstly, the world building felt so natural, and it was such a complicated world that yet felt so lived in and didn't feel overwhelming to understand, and secondly, the way the story was told was packed with so many twists and turns that it was just constantly exhilarating, and I never really knew what would happen next. Would you say that... That's the that same as the... Yeah, here? that's the same as the third game, and actually, oh, I'll say this to you, Campbell... This game somehow made me appreciate the second game more. Okay, now knowing that over two and a half years or two years of doing the podcast with I hate that game. You, you have <laughs> cursed that game many times. This actually made you like it a little more. It made me it. like it a little more because wow. I actually it made me like what they did with their characters. And if you play all I know every single site, you know, Nintendo Wire, IGN and the Nintendo Life, like every, I don't even know if Nintendo Wire has their coverage up. I don't even know why I said them. Uh, but Nintendo Life and IGN, uh, they've been talking about how you don't have to play Xenoblade 1 and 2 and just go play the third one because it's awesome. And I'm going to take the opposite direction. I'm going to say you need to play at least the first one because the payoff of the later chapters of this game is phenomenal. If you come to understand the concepts and characters that are introduced from those original two games. And just like that, I have lost interest in playing this game. <laughs> uh, no, it's still it's still a fantastic RPG, you know, and it's no, I'm, I'm, and you can understand the story. Yeah, I'm messing with you a little bit. Like I, yeah. I, the, uh, a, a lot of the st I haven't been keeping up with the information about this game too much, but I, I have heard that it is honestly a pretty good jumping in point, even if you haven't played the first uh, few games in the series. Like I've, I've heard, yeah, I just like I obviously you get that the yeah. payoff won't of be course. the same. Yeah, of course, of course. If you played all of them, like the you know, Monolith Soft has been saying this trilogy is a stopping point for them. But the series is going to continue. But this is like the end of. I don't even want to say his name, but it all revolves around a certain character and the world that's been created. So. It basically caps off everything from that the last two games built up. And it does it in a very cohesive manner. Even if at the ending I'm still left with questions, I'm very excited for where the DLC is going to go. Because hopefully it talks about the future of these characters. Because I, I think this is like a perfect ending point for um, this trilogy. It's like... 
I I didn't know if they were going to be able to end it on a perfect note after the second game, but they did it. And they do a very satisfying payoff for players who love the first game, players who love the second game, players who want to love this game. It all pays off in the end. Yeah, that's that's such a difficult feat to pull off. Like in any game, like video games are hard. Like obviously, mm-hmm. especially like big sprawling RPGs like this to, to feel yeah. like it is. And a I should say this: they're ending. not they're not like direct sequels of one another. No, like, right? They're all right, right, loosely right. connected. This game right. is more connected to the first two than the first one was connected to the second, and you know, vice versa. But yeah, it's it's just extremely satisfying by the end of it. Uh, that's that's good to hear. Um, I think I kind of want to hear more about like the systems the <laughs> of this game. Well, because uh, you mentioned you mentioned a few weeks ago in our in kind our our company Slack about how like wow, it seems like a lot of coverage on this game is failing to provide like basic information oh, about yes. the systems. Well, well no, this wasn't thought, a few weeks ago. This was last week. Was it last yeah. week? Yeah, yeah, I just thought so. that I thought that was very interesting. So like. It seems as though a lot of people. I mean, again, I'm just kind of, uh, kind of just inferring this based on what you said. It seems as though a lot of online coverage about this game just didn't has been awful. Yeah, has been awful. Well, it seems <laughs> because like because when have, you have, I'm not, I'm even going to call them out. When you have Screen Rant plagiarizing five different websites for all oh their work, God. then you have a problem covering this game, and maybe you should get the right writers on this type of content. And Ooh. it's not even just Screen Rant because PJ O'Reilly, I really like your work at Nintendo Life, but all your guides have factual mistakes. And like That's I even hard. message them about it and they fix some stuff. And even after I provided feedback, it was almost like my feedback was too complicated because they still messed up details in one of their articles. Wow. So Which is I'm tough because, like, like, like it's and, a and difficult. Again, it's a very mechanically heavy game and stuff like that. Like it's like a, de- it's a. De- I think we should say it's a dense game. Yeah, it's it's very large. Like the size of this game, it's five times bigger than the last game. And a lot of people are saying it takes like 150 hours to complete this, or like 200 hours. I complete the story in 40 hours. If you want to just do the story, it takes about 40 to 50 hours, give or take. But the side content the world that you can explore is enormous. It's, it's literally never ending. Like I still, even after like, I think I put in like almost 80 hours now, I still haven't explored the entire world. Yeah, man. Like I'm still not done, but every single inch of territory I cross and new location that I see, it's always so satisfying to see what's around there. And they're always gorgeous to just look at and poke around and find secrets and new characters. And I'm still, even though 80 hours in, I'm still meeting new characters that I didn't get to meet in my base adventure. So this is kind of a side note, Mark, but but how is the side content in this game? Because Xenoblade 1, the side content was, I would say, not that great. It was largely fetch quests yeah. and really so, big stories. So what they've now? done with the uh, the fetch quests is they've completely scrapped that concept. And now like the collecting objectives are very streamlined into like a Collectopedia list, where once you collect items, huh. you can go into a menu. 
and they have like a list of what characters want and you literally just click on it and you send them the items and that's it you're done you don't have to go find them in the overworld you don't have to go find them at a certain time or do mm. whatever the heck you had to do in the last two games it's all gone so now oh, what the side quests are instead in this game is you do have like your standard side quests going around beating enemies going from person to person finding info you know information about the world doing stuff like that but the big ones are the hero quests which give you more um about these characters and they dive into their backstories and their futures and what they're up to and some of their like ideologies and stuff like that which is very nice because rather than having a thousand witty characters in this game you have like 30 really solid and memorable heroes which is nice that's that's again impressive uh for for a cast like Again, this is a large cast for a for a, for any game. Yeah. Like, like, well, no, it is. Like uh, most RPGs, I don't want to say most RPGs, but like many RPGs will stick with like, I don't know, like six characters, maybe eight. You know, Final Fantasies are usually like six ish, eight characters or so, maybe seven, somewhere in there. Um, Final Fantasy fifteen had famously just the the four main characters. So like the fact that this game has such a large cast and and you do you feel like they're all pretty well drawn? Like you feel like you like they're they're decently characterized, Mark? Oh yeah, definitely. There's only like a handful where I was like, ah, they kind of just put them in so that way you can like unlock your ability or push the plot forward. They're like, eh, they could have done more with them. But there are like mm. others where it's like, whoa, like this is a deep story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so impressive. Um, to, to operate on that scale is... I think that's the thing that most... And again, I, I'm not... Again, I, I, I feel like I have to keep qualifying this, but, like, I I don't have any... like any, I, don't, I don't have a horse in this race. You know, I, I don't have any, any investment in the series. But, like, the thing that most impresses me about Xenoblade, the more I hear about it, is that the scale just seems unbelievable. And apparently this is, is on ev- in every regard... The, the like the most ambitious ever uh, so far. Mm. So I think I don't know. I, I, it sounds like it sounds like the, the vibe I'm getting is that people were not confident that Model of Soft could pull off the scale that they were trying to create. And it sounds as though, according to well, you, Mark, I think and according they to others, were you know they were able to the the problem was that with xenoblade 2 half their staff was working on like breath of the wild and super smash oh Brothers. sure sure so sure, sure, like, sure sure it, they were literally all over the place and then after that game debuted and torn of the golden country which was the dlc to xenoblade chronicles 2 which was like its own standalone release too got like way better reviews than the base game so i assumed that you know they looked at that project and they were like okay like we need the team. Like, we can't do this anymore where, you know, the second game was having technical issues where the resolution would be dropping left and right because it literally just did not mechanically function, right? But with this game, it was like the whole model team was on board. It had the biggest staff they've ever had for a game. And it, like, it shows because it looks gorgeous. It doesn't have, like, any technical problems that I've really come across. There was one... Um, I had a crash one time, but it was like, there was so much going on on scene. And I was like, (laughs) I was kind of in like a low level area and I was like, all right, I could deal with all these guys at once. So I kind of just ran up to a bunch of enemies and I had like 12 enemies on me. The game just totally crashed. So that was kind of on my end, but, uh, yeah, it's, it all works so fluidly, especially the way they've adjusted the combat to be like a mix between the first game and the second game. 
it's such it, it's so much more engaging and just technically satisfying and the way that the um the famous chain attack from the series the way even that looks it's like super flashy and these big moments where you really have to think deep and since you have like a larger cast of characters to work with you really have to think mechanically like six moves ahead what you're going to do so it just all pays off so well man it sounds like you're i don't know mark i'm getting a sense of i know the last <laughs> i feel as though the last couple episodes we've recorded you've had to talk about some real stinkers oh oh yes i have do you know what i mean <laughs> it, it, like I hear, some, I hear some we didn't even talk about on this podcast uh, exactly yeah some some stuff we've talked about <laughs> off mic but um it's i'm hearing like just this this like relief in your voice as you talk about this game oh yeah kind i was of... so relieved because i was so worried that monosoft <laughs> was gonna like screw it up I, yeah. I didn't think they would be able to do it after xenoblade chronicles 2 because the art direction of that game the character direction the combat it was uh, all like I, I, i'm so sorry muddled, mark but what art know? direction were you talking about <laughs> there uh, was none there was exactly none in that game. there was none in and, that game and and honest, it looked horrible yeah and honestly mark i'm relieved too just hearing you talk about this game because i only got into xenoblade a few years ago with the release of the definitive edition on switch and mm -hmm. i played that and that was one of the greatest gaming experiences i've ever had i was talking to you about it and you were like yeah it's great don't play the second one <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was the first like, episode of uh, an Express mm -hmm. we ever recorded together. Yeah, it I was. told you, oh. don't play the second one, just play mm -hmm. the first. And you've I, told I... me that many times over the years. <laughs> and so with the third game coming out, it's always been like, well, are they ever going to recapture that magic in the bottle that they caught with Xenoblade 1? And it sounds they did. like what you're saying, they yeah. did. And that's just the only, amazing. There's one thing I love about the original Xenoblade Chronicles that none of these games will ever be able to capture. And it's the world of Bionis and Makanis. Because in that mm. first game, you could literally see like every location from almost any point in the game. And it felt like this magical experience working your way up Bionis, going across the sword onto Makanis. Like it was all just so perfect. And for some parts of Ionios, I'm just like, it kind of feels like you're just like jumping to new location to new location. But mm. in the first Xenoblade, it was like, Look at the sword when you're on the kneecap, and it's like I'm eventually gonna get to go there. And I didn't, I never had like that same exact feeling. Like they are trying to get to a set location in the game for about half of it, but I was never like there. It is in the distance, you know. Hmm. I was always kind of like it, it is there at times, but I didn't feel like that same experience where you're working your way closer and closer towards right. your goal you know i mean that's understandable but also like the setting of xenoblade one is so it's just so special and it's so yeah. intuitive too like you know bionis versus Makonis, man versus machine you know it just it feels so intuitive that way and you can't really recapture that in a different setting i suppose mm -hmm. but but titans still play into this game right or colossi or anything like that no no really nope well, you do have, you know, you that's have like the, the one new version. The one thing, <laughs> the one thing I know about Xenoblade is is uh, is that. So that's interesting. Yeah, that it's titans, not in this game at all. Dudes. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's um, uh, you, well, you've seen the trailers. It's like the the world of Ionios. Uh, I won't say why, but it has fragments of other worlds in it, and so there are parts of the Titans from both Xenoblade Chronicles One and Two, in um this game but it's not like what you're expecting you know mm. 
Like, you're not going to travel across, you know, the Bionis's, uh, or the Mechonis's sword. Like, it's nothing like that, and you're going to revisit Sword Valley. Like, no, d- don't expect anything like that. They're all original locations. There are references, like, um, there's, like, Aretha Sea instead of Aerith Sea from the uh, original. So it's, nice. like, stuff like that. But there's very, like, when it's usually something that's, like, a big reference or a callback to an original location, it's in a very subtle way. Nice. Well, I mean, you got to you got to keep it subtle. Um, that's that's what it's all about. Um, do you want to? I mean, I don't know. Do you do you want to talk about like the shifting gears a little bit, uh, Mark? Do you, do you want to talk more in depth about some of the systems at play here? Do you want to continue talking about the setting? Yeah, like, I mean, the floor is yours. Like whatever whatever yeah, you think is interesting. So um, for the combat, I mean, it's a more um, cohesive version of Xenoblade Chronicles Two mm-hmm. combat mixed with the some of the elements of one, and that's really all i could say about it but the you know the really cool part about it is there are these new um these new beings and they're called the ouroboros which i won't say anything about them because they're very crucial to the story but ouroboros is basically like these evangelion <laughs> power-ups that you have <laughs> and they're awesome they're so satisfying to use because once you build up your chain attack and you get the links going and the inner links it's like then when you deliver that final hit it's like it's so good <laughs> Yeah, but the combat's also, you know, mechanically, they've taken away a lot of stuff from the last two games to simplify some stuff, and it works very well. Like, the clothing feature from the first and second game, like, that's all gone. It's not here anymore. So instead, the costumes rely on, like, a class system where you could change how your character plays the entire game. So you essentially have like 30 different classes you can unlock and every single character can use all of them. So you could really customize and build your team to like your own play styles. Interesting. So I think the most pressing question here is, are you able to run around naked anymore? Or is that not a viable <laughs> No, <laughs> oh, that's, that's not an option anymore. It doesn't exist. So sad. The costumes though, for each character, which they're inspired by the heroes you receive the classes from, they're awesome. Like the base, like the base outfits, don't get me wrong, they look great, but some of those class outfits are just like they just blow away like the original stuff. <laughs> That's good. Um, I remember oh, and I, lot- I should say this one more thing. the voice acting, very good Ooh. in this game. Okay. They actually right. got you, it right. You mentioned, yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned earlier that, uh, that you were impressed with, um, <laughs> again, it seems to be sort of a, like a common consensus around the internet. is like, huh, the voice acting for this game is actually good, <laughs> which is which is a, kind of a funny thing to keep hearing. Is I'm like, yeah, because the second one was so incredibly bad that, mm. you know, anything was going to surpass it. But this game's on like the same level as the first one. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm just saying the the first game had probably some of the best voice acting of any JRPG. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Amazing. Yeah, the first one's still better, but this one is on like that same at least elevation, you know. And okay. then the the second one's at the bottom of the cliff. It fell off. It's completely dead. Just and you blood just splatter. Hear, you hear Rex's faint scream. <laughs> scream. Down. His so-called like, scream, but then quotations. His apathetic yeah. moan. Yeah. Um, but I think the topic of voice acting leads to was probably one of the most important questions about a Xenoblade game, and that is, how are the memes in Xenoblade Chronicles 3? <laughs> Anything meme-worthy oh, in the lines? Oh, there's there's so much. There's so many phrases that you just hear out of nowhere, and you'll like laugh the first time, and then you start hearing them again and again. 
and then it's like you start saying them to yourself. <laughs> like one of my favorites is like I'm the girl with a gal. And it's like what? I still I still don't understand what that means, wait. but you've said it so many times that it's like I love it now. <laughs> uh, wait, spell that out. I'm a girl with a I'm gal. the girl with the gal. The, which the I think gal, gal is supposed to be like a weapon, I think. It just sounds like a girl hanging out with another girl. <laughs> I'm a girl with a gal. Yeah. I I still don't know what it means, but it's like it's perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mark. Mark, your homework is to find out what that means. I'm going to look uh, it up. Maybe someone's already written about it. Girl. <laughs> I'm the girl with the gal. Yeah, people already have. Oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll have, to, we'll have to report back to uh, to see what that's all about. Um, I mean, Campbell, I don't know. You you tell me anything we got. Any any burning questions uh, for, for Mark? I mean, honestly, you know, the the memes and the voice acting are the single most important thing. But I, I do have to ask as well about the music in this game. Oh, it's okay. So the score is surrounded by um, like this flute tune because uh, mm -hmm. the main characters use flutes to be offseers. And that's how they send people to like the afterlife in a sense. I don't right. want to call it the afterlife, but... I'll keep it to those terms to, to keep away from spoilers. Okay, for the normies so, like us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's incredible what they do with this score. They keep using the same motif, and it works every single time, and they know when to perfectly use it, because when it hits, it hits. It's so good. But the wow. other stuff is like... I, you sent me a meme a while back, or I think it was from like John Cartwright or something, Campbell, but it was like the composer for this game composed it as if it was their <laughs> oh, last yes. song ever. It's like... That is yeah. real. Like, With yeah, that's the guy every at the piano song. that's on fire. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's every single song in this game. Wow. I mean, again, I, I hate to just keep drawing comparisons to the original game, but, like, that was also one of the greatest soundtracks of any game mm -hmm. as well. Like, the way that it would accentuate the dramatic moments, the way certain motifs would come in. Like, whenever Engage the Enemy came on, you knew that it's just about to go down, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that was an amazing feeling. So, like, if the, the third game can recapture that to any extent, you know, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, like, the villain theme, Mobius, is, like, mm -hmm. incredible. <laughs> Oh man. Has like a whole like choir in the background and everything. <laughs> oh, that sounds like peak JRPG. I love that. That's great. It's all it's all just so good. It's mm -hmm. like I, I'm just so glad how the game turned out. Because right. for you know, so long since it was announced I was worried that this wasn't gonna be it. But right. it uh it succeeded. I and guess it surpassed all my expectations. That's amazing. I guess the one thing I was kind of concerned about with this game is knowing that it's a now signature for the Xenoblade series has a, a different combat system. I know you said that it was uh, a much more streamlined than Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, how long did it take you to really come to grips with what the new combat system was? Did it feel like it was easing you into it? Or <laughs> well, you don't get all the combat mechanics until like the third chapter, and the game has seven mm -hmm. chapters. Though, okay. Don't worry, the later ones are way longer than the opening ones. Gotcha. But... Yeah, you get you get adjusted again. If you've played the other games, you're gonna get adjusted really, really quick. Like you'll know how the topple works and how like the break topple days, like the combos that you should be using. Right. Yeah. But it's all very easy to grasp. The okay. tutorials are also very stream. They're not. It's not like the second game where it's a tutorial every thirty seconds. Like no, they give you what you need. And you're good to go. That's brilliant, Man. yeah. That's one of the biggest turnoffs from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I think. Yeah. <laughs> how convoluted that thing was. It's like every five steps, there was like a new tutorial. Right, and then yeah. similarly, Xenoblade Chronicles X, you literally had to read the manual in order to know how <laughs> to play that game. 
But then yeah. on a similar note, like you didn't even get access to the mechs in that game, which were one of the, the signature features of that world until like 30 or 40 hours into it. Yep. So. Ouroboros, you get um, not too long in. I think it's like two, an hour or two in, you already get access to your first one. Nice. Okay, that's cool. Man. So it sounds like, I mean, again, all, all evidence to the contrary, it sounds like there's even with all the all of the systems at play here, it is easier to grasp than previous uh, entries in the franchise. So maybe I don't oh, know. Maybe, yeah. yeah, that's good. That's really good to hear. I mean, I don't know. I, like I know, Mark. I, I imagine that you could talk about this game like all all night. Oh we, yeah, if we, you if if <laughs> I was able to talk about spoilers, I'd be able to go on and on. Like I'm currently working on an ending explained because I've been looking at threads online of people who have beaten the game, mm. and it's like a minefield of like theories and stuff and it's interesting because the first time i was looking at all of them i was like oh like how did they come to that conclusion and then once i started replaying the game just to rewatch some of the cinematics and stuff i was like okay i think i understand it better than these people now somehow <laughs> As you are i feel like i've do, gone i've gone to like another level like i feel like i've been blessed with knowledge <laughs> <laughs> i i would i was just about to compare you to a certain character in the game yeah. but I, I won't do that for cameron's sake um <laughs> thank you campbell yes, yes i know it means so much to you not to have spoilers but yeah amazing okay um, yeah, but don't spoil should... yourself on the story just no of course don't no, look up anything of course yeah. not of course not like literally i think in in six months or so whenever i can finish this game <laughs> let's do a spoiler cast for it because like i want to just like the first one yes which will we will definitely do a spoiler cast for that one day eventually listen guys just let me know when you want to record that one and i'll make sure to be sick or something <laughs> uh, we should probably call it we still got to get on hades uh <laughs> yes of course of course well, that'll happen I'll one of these days one um, day. <laughs> we should probably table any more talk of xenoblade 3 mark unless there's anything else that you're like burning to talk about uh play the first one if you want to jump in and you're very desperate to get on this one it's okay just i think you won't have the same emotional payoff at the ending i feel like you're going to lack a few things that other people who've played the franchise will get a lot there'll mm -hmm. be a lot of emotional impact but uh yeah it's uh, i'll say it again it's a nintendo switch essential i think everyone should own this game just like breath of the wild and mario odyssey and kirby and the forgotten land and Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. And Xenoblade Edition. Chronicles Definitive Edition. Because you should just play that game regardless of whether you plan to play 3 or not. It's oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Immaculate. All right. So let's let's call it there. Take a quick break. We're going to come back and have a little indie spotlight for you all. So stay tuned. We're ready.
Uh, so, any spotlight for you all. We've uh, I've been playing. I should say I played and reviewed for Goomstomp, uh, Cult of the Lamb, a indie game. Why, well, boy, is Devolver indie? Not really. Um, <laughs> a a game published by Devolver Digital, uh, developed by Doinksoft, who made the excellent Gato Roboto. Have any of you guys played Gato Roboto? Still yes, no. Sir. Oh, I want to. Campbell, Campbell, you've played it. Mark, you haven't played it. Mm. Uh, it's just so cute. I it's love so it. cute and fun. Um, so this game is similarly cute, like Gato Roboto, uh, but I would say it is a lot darker and edgier. It is, it is like imagine if Gato Roboto got like combined with the Binding of Isaac. Have, have you guys played the Binding of Isaac? Oh my god! I mean, yeah. No. No. Oh, god, Mark, you <laughs> should you should play show, that game. Mark. No. <laughs> uh, no, Martin, dude. It, uh, oh boy, Mark. What? Okay. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Cult of the Lamb is it is a it is a kind of a strange blend between two genres. It is a roguelike adventure uh, wherein you uh, you have you go on runs. You're you're battling enemies. Um, if you die, you get sent back to the start, um, barring a few exceptions, which I will get into. Um, your weapons are randomized. Uh, you you find upgrades during your run. Those are randomized. Uh, various. If you've played Hades, if you've played The Binding of Isaac, if you've played Dead Cells, you you know what a roguelike is, and it is very similar to those kinds of games. So it has kind of that top, kind of like a top down uh, view. You're controlling the lamb, a very adorable uh, little creature. Uh, but you're swinging like a sword or like a big axe or you have like punching gauntlet glove things and you're casting spells and doing dodge rolls and, you know, battling all the things you do. You're battling enemies, all that stuff. The other half of the game, maybe even the, the larger half, is the cult simulation aspect uh, where you return to your home base. You are, uh, it's, the game is called Cult of the Lamb and you are the lamb, so it is a cult for you. Uh, you are recruiting followers to brainwash into your cult. They're, they're like forest creatures. Not, none of them are, are lambs, but there's like little horses or unicorns or like little like forest goblins, like, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you're, you're, you're brainwashing them and having them worship, uh, worship you uh develop give give you devotion give you all their praise uh you're telling them to grow crops and harvest those crops and deposit those crops into the crop box like it's a it's a crazy crazy game um the stuff you do in the cult simulation portion uh affects the battling and the, the roguelike portion, the two things sort of influence each other. So when you're out doing the roguelike stuff, which the game calls crusades, when you're out on a crusade, you're finding resources, you're you're finding, you're rescuing uh, people to indoctrinate into your cult, you're, you're uh, uh, finding a currency, all that kind of stuff, so that when you go back to your home base after a successful run or after you get defeated during a run, you're like using all of those things that you've gathered during your crusade to... Uh, further enrich your cult, like whether that's building new structures or um, giving your followers gifts that you found during a run or that kind of stuff. So the, the two things kind of influence each other. It's 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 a fascinating blend. I don't know that it works as well as as I want it to. Uh, just there, there's some sp stuff some stuff in the late game that like kind of breaks down where it's like okay, well I don't really need 
to go on this run or like I don't need to build any more structures. Like I have all the necessary structures that I need in the cult simulation part. So I don't know. There's some stuff that kind of breaks down, but for the most part, it's it's an experiment that really works. Um, if you've seen the trailer for this game, you you have a pretty good idea of what you're in for. Extremely extremely cutesy aesthetic. It's it looks very like it's like Hello Kitty almost. Like it, like adorably cute creature design and character design, but it's mixed with this really effed up story uh like it's devolver so it has like that edgy kind of sensibility uh did you guys ever watch happy tree friends is that is that too old for you no i know what it is you know it's extremely like bloody and screwed up extremely messed up i think my brother was tried to show it to me as a child oh that's that would just traumatize you i'm so sorry that that happened to you why i'm so horrible today (laughs) yeah that makes a certain amount of sense (laughs) um this this game reminded me a lot of happy tree friends like like really cute like bubbly aesthetic but it's like very dark uh subject matter it's like this kind of a weird blend um i i and i and i i hate to i like I don't want to compare games too much to other games, but it, like very Binding of Isaac sense of humor. Um, it's a lot of like scatological, like like there's a lot of poop and vomit in this game, Cult of the Lamb, uh, that you're dealing with. Um, th- there's a side quest where one of my cult followers uh, uh, was like, hey, like I want to play a prank on this other cult member. Can you feed them? a meal made of excrement. So like you go to your fertilizer box and you gather up enough excrement and you cook them a meal and you force this other cult member to eat it. It's like, Oh, that's, that's kind of dark. Like, I don't know if this is necessarily funny, but I guess I did that. Like it's a, it's such a, it's an oddball game. Um, it is a cult. So I it's think. a cult. And, and the, um, so it's so sort of the, kind of the other main thing that's, that's going on. Like there, there is a plot in this game, like a lot of roguelikes. I feel like, I don't know, like I'm thinking of like Dead Cells or, or Binding of Isaac in particular. A plot's not like not like that important. Right. But in this game there's like there's like a there's like a plot, there's a story. Um the very beginning of the game, uh you the player character, the lamb, is is sacrificed um to a to a cult. This this ancient this other this other ancient cult. But instead of dying and, and being sent to the afterlife, you're like intercepted by this this other god who is known as the one who waits who's like aha you were going to be sacrificed but now i will spare you i will save you and you're going to exact revenge on these other cults so i will give you my power i'm this like bound up chained god and i will grant you this lamb you are my chosen one you are my champion so i'm going to revive you but as a as a kind of as a a benefit to you, you're going to have all this power, but you have to pay homage to me now. Like, I basically, I saved you, and now I own you. So what you're going to do, Lamb, is you're going to gather followers, you're going to force them to worship you, and through worshiping you, they're really worshiping me. Um, so you're, you're kind of indebted to this really dark, kind of, not evil, I want to say, but this very dark god um, who's, like, out to take revenge on these other cults out in the forest. Um... And kind of the form that that takes in the game is every biome, every level that you can explore as the lamb is is uh, kind of run by one of these four main bosses. And you do, you know you're, you're trying to work towards defeating the four main bosses and freeing your bound uh, benefactor, I guess you could say. Um, it's an interesting game. Um, 
I like it a lot. I don't love it, is what I would say. I've played a lot of this kind of game, played a lot of roguelikes. Um, I, like, listen, and take 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 that with a grain of salt. Everybody loves this game. Like, uh, to be clear, like if you go on Twitter right now, uh, IGN gave this game like a game of the year contender. Like, people really are into this game. Um, it didn't do a ton for me. Maybe it's because I shotgunned it in a weekend. Like, maybe if I would have spread it out over like you know, a couple of weeks or months, I would have had a, uh, like less, less of a feeling of like, Oh gosh, the clock is ticking. I got to get this game finished. Um, so like take, take all of my words with a grain of salt. Um, I think the combat isn't quite as satisfying as something like Hades. Like I, I find Hades to be a little more of like a engaging combat experience than this particular game. It's a little more simplified. Um, the simulation aspect, uh, it's not as in depth as something like Animal Crossing or a Stardew Valley. Like there's there's more to do in a game that is like because that's again it's not the game's main focus. If Cult of the Lamb was a hundred percent focused on the simulation or a hundred percent focused on the roguelike, I think maybe I would have had a better time with it. But because it is splitting its focus a little bit, and again it it doesn't feel like the developer made a mistake. Like I get what they're trying to do. I just personally feel like it didn't like by by kind of splitting the decision. It's it feels like neither experience is is very satisfying, at least to me. Um, so I don't know. It, it's it's a uh, it's a good time. The music is incredible. Like I was shocked by how much I enjoyed like vibing out to the music. Like especially when you're when you're kind of running around your base and like planting crops and constructing buildings and stuff like that. Like the the the, the kind of vibey music that's going on is is like perfect for that what um, kind of vibes do you have with the music uh it's kind of difficult to describe it's kind of like trip hop oh, you know okay. like it's it's not quite like it's not quite like lo-fi beats to study to but it is kind of like like you you get entranced in it it's i, I would call it trip hop if, if like electronic okay. uh pop is what i would is what i would call it trip hop um, beats to feed excrement to your followers too exactly yeah. exactly okay, I, I haven't even gotten to like the main kind of the 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 kind of the hook of this game is it, at the end of the day this is a game about managing uh resources and kind of like keeping certain meters filled um when you are in the simulation aspect your cult members uh can get they can grow hungry they can grow uh they can get sick and they can slowly lose the devotion to your cult. So when you're in the simulation aspect, you're trying to keep all of those meters topped up as best you can. You're trying to feed them healthy food, you know, not excrement as often as possible. Um, you're trying to keep them devoted to your cult by by encouraging them and giving them gifts and, and giving them great sermons. Um, and if a sermon doesn't work, you want to show them a display of power, such as um, ascending a cult member to the afterlife or murdering a cult member uh just to demonstrate that the power of the god that raised you like there's some pretty messed up stuff you can kind of get up to in in the in the like the culty part of the of the game like it really does want you to it is emphasizing the cult aspect in a in a, a pretty a pretty gnarly way um like this game makes no bones about like yeah, these these followers are are here to be used and abused. No matter what cute forest creature they they come out as, uh, your god wants you to use them up so that you can succeed in your crusades. Like, 
uh, w- one fun thing that happens when you're on a crusade is after after you unlock a certain ability, um, if you die during a run, you can sacrifice a cult member and revive yourself. So like rather than being punted back to your cult, rather than being like kicked out of the run, you can like choose a cult member and be like, great, I'm going to slay this guy. And if they're sufficiently loyal to you, you can be revived with like extra hearts, extra health, extra power. So it's like by keeping your cult members happy and satisfied, if you kill them during a run, it's like better for you in the long run. So it's this kind of like this kind of twisted, like, yeah, you want to keep everybody happy and satisfied and devoted to you so that you can murder them and take their life force. It's like... I don't know. It's pretty messed up. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a, crazy. <laughs> it's 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 an that, interesting. Yeah. And again, it's like this very adorable art style, like cute little fluffy lamb doing all this stuff who occasionally will have blood pour out of its eyes when it's performing a sacred <laughs> ritual. Like it's really weird. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I, the, the tone shifts are kind of a lot. Like, I kind of wish it was either a little more edgy or, like, a little more cutesy, but it's 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 squarely in the middle, and I don't know... Well, I, I guess it works. I, I, I might be... As I'm saying it out loud, I think I'm kind of talking myself out of it. I, th- I, think, I think it nails exactly what they're going for, of, like, wow, I can't believe the messed up stuff I'm doing in this game. Like, it kind of manages to, to succeed in making you feel very unsettled, but also very compelled at the same time. Um... It's a good time. I wish the combat were a little tighter. Like, and I don't know if it's because I was playing on my laptop, but like, it never, it never really like felt incredible to to engage in the combat. You don't have a lot of variety, is is what it comes down to for me. Like, you have like a melee attack, and you have like a cast, and that's kind of it. I wish there was a little more like combo stuff you could do, like in Hades or in the Binding of Isaac. Like, you never get that like, or like it, like in. Uh, uh, Campbell, you will understand this reference. You know how, like, in Binding of Isaac, you can just get a completely broken build kind oh, of yeah. by luck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't get that in this game. Uh, there, there's no way to, to, like... You can find, like, some fun upgrades that, like, oh, you get, like, greater attack speed or you have three extra hearts or whatever, but it's, like, you never get, like, the, okay, I'm using an attack and that attack sends a beam of energy and that beam of energy ricochets and explodes and revives dead enemies. Like, you don't get anything quite as as combo rific as as something as you might find in the in the binding of Isaac which I, I find that a little disappointing uh, to be honest I mean, um, but isn't that like more balanced technically because then you don't get to like completely destroy everything in your path? right but that's to me that's kind of the fun of this kind of a game at least mm-hmm. uh, maybe not this exact kind of a game but like, like roguelike roguelike yeah right. is like sometimes you just luck into this insane build where it's like damn like I'm just going to ride this train as, as far as I can take it. Um, which I guess on the, on the other side of the coin, when you, when you do play well during a crusade and cult of the lamb, you do feel very, it's satisfying because like I did that, like my skill did that. It wasn't cause I lucked out and got the, you know, I didn't get the invincibility charm or something. It's like, no, I, I did this because I am a good player. And that, that is, that does feel good at the end of the day. I just was hoping personally for a little more variety, um, in the combat, uh, than, than what is currently presented. Um, one thing the cult of the lamb does have is an incredible mini game. I alluded to, uh, mini games earlier in this episode. When we were talking about Splatoon three, uh, 
Uh, there's a game called Knucklebones in Cult of the Lamb. It's a dice game that you can play with some NPCs uh, to gain coins, which you can then spend on um, aesthetics and cosmetics for your for your um, simulation, for your cult. And uh, wagering coins in Knucklebones never gets old. I like I want to buy like 18 dice just so I can play this game on my own time without having to fire up my laptop. Um, it's so freaking good. It's like a... I'm, I'm going to do a bad job at describing it, but basically it's like a competitive dice game. You're trying to score uh, more points than your opponent. You each take turns rolling a six-sided die, um, and you're placing those dies in columns, and if it, it, it's not even worth explaining. It's I'm not going to do a bad job because you need the visual, but it is a, a severely addictive minigame that doesn't have any bearing on the story or anything like that. There's a couple of like side quests associated uh, with this with Knucklebones, but uh, it doesn't have any bearing on the main story. But I, I found myself like returning to this mini game over and over and over again, just because I, I found it strangely addictive. Um, so yeah, I, I love when a when a when a game just throws in a really well designed mini game for for no reason. I think it's I think it's quite fantastic. Um, Cult of the Lamb, it's good. I, I wrote the review for for the website. I called it uh, I, I called it recommended. I, I wouldn't quite call it essential, but it's out on Switch. It's out on Steam. It's, I think it's on every major platform. To be honest, um, I didn't have any. I, I I did run into an interesting glitch, which I wonder will be. I don't know if it was a glitch or just like a, a thing that the developers are going to leave in the game. Um, there was a a point where I was in a, a room right before a boss, like I like I knew the next room was a boss. It kind of does the Hades thing where like you know what the next room is gonna look like, um, it, it, during a run. So I was like, okay, I know the boss is in this very next room. And a lot of times, what a game like this will do is give you like, hey, we're gonna let you heal a little bit of HP before you go fight this boss. So I walked into the room and a heart spawned. So I collected the heart. And then I left the room to go do something else before facing the boss, and I came back in and the heart had spawned again. So I was like, huh. So I left the room, came back in, the heart spawns again. I was like, great. So I, I left and entered this room about 30 times <laughs> and just steamrolled this boss because I had 30 extra hearts that I didn't <laughs> expect to have. So I'm, I'm, I, I imagine this was just a bug that I happened to encounter uh, with my review uh, code of the game. But it, it, I would, it would be very funny if they decided to leave this in the, in the final build. And you were talking uh, about not getting to be overpowered in this game. Well, it, I, okay. <laughs> Listen, extra, extra hit points is not the same as having oh, a, a oh, totally... Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a really good game. And um, and building the cult is is pretty satisfying. Like it's it's once once all the like as with any kind of, of simulation game, it starts off as very stressful. Like you always feel like you're you're running behind the clock. Like oh my gosh, there's no way I'm gonna get everything done in a in a single day. Like I can't keep up with the cleaning tasks. My followers are always mad at me. Like what am I gonna do? And then you know once you get the hang of it, things start working like clockwork. Like you can you can start delegating. Like hey. Go worship at the altar. Like, go give me. Like, I'm gonna collect tithes from you. Like, you can start like acting like a horrible cult leader and, and start demanding things from your followers, and that actually starts to feel really good. Um, so yeah, once it, like once things start clicking, it does have that addictive quality. I did find myself playing this game until 1 a.m. a couple nights in a row because I was like, oh my gosh, I I do want to see where the you know like what's 
what's this next thing that's going to happen? So it does have that sort of addictive quality, which I, I you know, I, I know I've been t- saying kind of mixed things about this game, but at the Cameron, end of the day, Cameron, if you were able to stay up and play this game that late, uh, listen, you all know me. It's worth playing. <laughs> I listen. I yeah, there. Fair enough. I, you all know me. You know I fall asleep like very fast. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's right, because I am an old man. Um, so yeah, the fact that this game kept me hooked until that late, like I think it does say something about it. It has a certain addictive quality. Um, I would recommend it if you are a fan of the genre. You might be a little disappointed with like the lack of depth and the combat. But if you are, if you, if the aesthetics do anything for you, like the, honestly, the trailer does a fantastic job of selling this game. Like sometimes a trailer might feel misleading. I think for Calls of the Lamb, it is spot on. So if you can find like a short teaser trailer or a gameplay trailer, you'll you'll probably know whether or not this game will do anything for you. Um, so yeah, I, I do recommend it. And you can check out my full review over on the website. Um, and any questions for me, uh, uh, gents, before we wrap tonight's episode? It sounds good. <laughs> it, it's good. It's, it's good. I just don't know if if it would be for me because of the whole, uh, I don't know, the whole satanic stuff around it. It's pretty dark. Like... Honestly, it's like <laughs> legitimately dark. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Maybe if it's on sale, I'll consider it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it does. It, I Listen, it does get very dark. Like, the, the final boss fight, I was like, I cannot believe what I am looking at, like, on, on the screen. Like, not only is the, the, the creature design, like, very terrifying, but, like, there's, like, some stuff with crucifixes, which I was like, this this is a lot for my little, for my little t- cartoon uh, forest creatures to deal with. Like, I was... It's kind of alarming. Uh, I don't know, Campbell. Any, any, uh, any anything you want to uh, ask me? Any, any questions about this game? Uh, not really any questions, but just uh, perhaps on the opposite side of Mark. I don't know what this says about me as a person, but the vibe has really interested me in this game—the satanic vibes and all that kind of stuff. Um, just because this seems like just a very fascinating portrayal of of just the idea of running a cult in the game. And I don't don't know if we really have that represented in games quite like this, at least. Um, so just the concept looks fascinating. I might pick it up on the sale at some point. So there you have Fair it. enough. Yeah, if, if either of you do end up checking out this game, I would be very curious to hear your thoughts. Because this is going to be one of those games that will land for a lot of people. Again, the response has been pretty strong, from at least from what I've kind of gathered online. I, I To me... I think the the split focus diminished the overall experience, but I think some people will will have the opposite opinion and be like, "Wow, I, I I like it even better than I thought I would." So if either of you end up checking out this game, I would be very intrigued to hear your thoughts. Um, I think that's gonna about. Oh, this is kind of this ended up being kind of a long episode. I think that'll do it for tonight's show. Uh, I've been your host, Cameron Daxon. You can find some of my writing over on GoombaStomp.com, including, of course, a review for Cult of the Lamb, which. Uh, yeah, very much enjoyed for the most part. And I also did a little write-up for a little game called Demon Throttle, uh, which is a physical-only release that came out this summer from, uh, again, another Devolver, uh, another Devolver-involved game, Special Reserve Games, uh, made the card, made the uh, the game cards, uh, massive. Oh boy, what's the what's the company? Not Massive Monster, because that's Cult of the Lamb. Um, it's not important who the. Uh, developer of doing soft right? it is doing so oh no oh my gosh i've been oh my god i want to in that case i got to apologize and amend my previous statements doing soft did demon throttle oh my god i feel like a freaking idiot 
the reason I was talking about Doing Soft earlier is because I was writing this Demon Throttle review, and then we started talking about Cult of the Lamb. Massive Monster was the developer for Cult of the Lamb. So I, oof, apologies to Massive Monster, uh, who did a fantastic job with Cult of the Lamb, to be clear. Um, Doing Soft. I was, I was thinking about that. Wow, the I was so freaked out. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. You should have said something. Oh, yeah, no. I should. No, I was Damn. thinking to myself. Oh, I'm probably thinking of Demon Throttle. No, 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 Likewise. no. You, you... I didn't. I didn't realize I was actually. Yeah. Oh I man, what a what a freaking asshole. Morning. No, that's fine. It's fine. If anything, yeah, you, could, you could say Demon. Uh, you could say the the developer's name right now. Just edit it. I did. Massive Monster. <laughs> massive Massive Monster massive is a developer uh, for. Cult of the Lamb, and they are fantastic. I meant no disrespect. I apologize. I've been uh, writing a lot of things back to back, and therefore I got a little confused. It's my old man, my old man brain. Mm. Uh, Mark, save me from my uh, awkwardness here. Yes. Where, where can speaking people find of, you on the internet? Speaking of writing a lot of things, you can find all my work over at goombastomp.com, and you can find me on social media at the Mark Hall. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Now I'm trying to think of the. <laughs> Here you go. Yes, we, I messed you, it all up. Yes, I messed it all up already. Mark with a Thank C you. and Cal with a K. Yeah, Cal with a K. Thank you. Um, I was gonna say you could find. I mixed up everything. You can find uh, my writing over on Goomstomp right now. You can find uh, my work for Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I have a guide up on the EXP bonus and bonus EXP. The difference between the two. I have a guide on where to find all four traversal skills. Matt has a guide on the Nopon Coin Exchange, which you should check out and learn why Nopon Coins are very important in the game. Uh, you can check out my review for Koromon over on Tilt Magazine. You can check out my review for I Am Groot, a show that sadly does not stick the landing, which oh. I was very upset about. Yeah, very sad. But uh, yeah, you can find all my work over on the website, so go check it out. Awesome. And Campbell, what about yourself? Uh, coming from somebody who's not been writing nearly as much as either two gents on the show, but you can find my games writing over at GoombaStomp.com. Uh, most recent article is a written review of Live Alive. If you happen to tune into last week's episode, you know that I kind of liked that game. So go and give that a read <laughs> for more in-depth thoughts on why I like that game so much. And stay tuned for this weekend because I've got a new indie game spotlight coming your way. Uh, and in the meantime, you can keep up with me on social media at CampbellSkill, uppercase CSG on Twitter. Perfect. And of course, NXpress is also on social media. We are on Twitter at NXpress Nintendo. We are available to rate, review, all that good stuff over on the podcast platform of your choice. So go ahead and do that. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.